0: Amen. Everyone doing okay? Guys, uh, my name is Pastor Felix Trevino. Uh, You guys should know me by now. If not, then uh, we need to talk. I mean, it's pretty crazy you've been here a while. Um, Today, we are going to be continuing our walkthrough of the book of Philippians. And let me just say, it is Sunday. It has been a long, hard week. It's been a crazy week for many of us. But there's only one thing that matters amongst the whole election and all that stuff. is that Jesus is still King. Amen? And we talked last week, today, so it doesn't matter who is elected, Jesus is still king. And so I just want you guys to just, today, just, just forget all that. You know what, Facebook has been, uh, it's been just a terrible, terrible outlet for me, uh, for many people. It's split apart families and friends throughout this whole week. Um, many people posting their political views, many people posting their, their, uh, their being upset, many people post all these crazy things in there. But if we would just, for one just hour this week, can we just forget all that? Amen? Can we just remember that there is one thing that unites us all, and that is the common fact that we are all sinners in need of God's grace in our life. And with that common core across the whole nation, can we just realize one thing that we need Jesus more than we needed any president of the United States? Amen? And so Jesus is still King. Let us just kind of rejoice in that today and move forward uh, for the rest of the next couple of years. If you have your Bibles... Open them up to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's going to be a scripture on the screen behind me. Uh, you can look under your seat. There should be a white Bible that's going to be for you to keep. You don't have to feel like you've got to sneak it in your purse or anything. You can take it home. That's yours completely. Also, if you go on the Facebook page of ImpactCityChurch.com uh, or ImpactCityChurch.com, uh, Facebook, whatever, you can check in while you're there. And the scripture today should be being posted here pretty soon. Today we're wrapping up a series called letters from prison and before i go on let me give everyone a warning um it's gonna be one of those java and jesus messages today i just got off a night shift at like 6 a.m and so i'm just like i'm i'm little sleep lots of coffee i'm gonna speak fast and i hope you guys can listen fast if i start slurring my words someone throw the bible at me i'll be okay and if a bible gets thrown at me I, I mean i'll be i'll accept it okay so letters from prison it's a walkthrough the book of Philippians. It's taken us over three months, but we have literally gone verse by verse through the whole book of Philippians. If you're new to the church, you don't know what we do here. We go verse by verse through a book of the Bible every so often. We started off with the book of Jonah. Verse by verse to the book of Jonah it took us a few months. Later on, we bit off a little bit bigger of a book of the Bible. We went through the book of Mark. It took us two and a half years to go through the whole book of Mark, verse by verse. Now we just decided to go through the book of Philippians, and today, Through great joy, I can say we're going to complete this journey. We're going to complete the journey of the book of Philippians today. And so last week, just to kind of recap, last week we reminded everyone that the central theme throughout the whole book of Philippians, the whole theme of the book of Philippians was this, that despite present circumstances, we should always rejoice in the gospel. That no matter what is going on, that despite our present circumstances, I don't care if it's a good circumstance or a bad circumstance, Mediocre circumstances, whatever circumstance in life we are in, we should rejoice in the gospel. And that's huge for us to, to, to understand as Christ followers. It's a really important thing because as a, as a Christ follower, the belief that we should be content in every circumstance of our life and rejoice in the gospel is important because it pulls us to a place where our foundation is not on what we feel, but our foundation is what Jesus has done. And if we know that going forward, no matter what the circumstance is in our life, we can be content and we can have joy in our life no matter what is going on around us. It's so important to know that as a Christ follower. Because Jesus once said that in this life you will have trouble. You will have problems. The idea of us not ever having a single problem in our life is a fantasy of fairyland. A fantasy of fairy tale. And so we have to be prepared for that. And understanding that Jesus is king, and understanding that he is on the throne, no matter what happens, should give us cause to rejoice in our life. Today we're going to see Paul put the final touches on his letter with a return to that theme, the theme of rejoicing despite difficulty. You're going to see Paul rejoice and be thankful as he sees the church in Philippi have a real concern for him. We've learned that throughout the book of Philippians that the church in Philippi have been concerned for Paul this whole time while he's in jail. And yet, as much as that makes Paul feel good, we will find that his contentment lies elsewhere. That he's not content with just the fact that they are taking care of him. His contentment lies elsewhere. So with that in mind, let's wrap up the book of Philippians, starting with Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Philippians 4, verse 10. You would please read along with me? Philippians 4, verse 10. starts off like this. It says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, now that in length you have, re, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned whatever situation I am to be content. I know to be brought low, and I know to be abound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, Abundance and need. I can still do, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's break that down here, okay? We said that before that back in the day, whenever there was someone who was in jail, whenever someone was, was thrown into prison back in the day, it wasn't like prisons nowadays. It wasn't like someone says, okay, okay. We're going to put him in jail. We're going to give him three square meals a day. He's going to have, you know, 20-some hours of lockdown, four hours of free time. He can run around. He can work out. He's going to give him Netflix. He's going to hang out in prison. He's going to do his thing. No, it wasn't like that. You in prison. You're locked up in a cell, and that's it, okay? And in order to provide for your food, in order to provide for your basic necessities like water, even just companionship, in order for, for anything to happen to you, It wasn't the responsibility of the state. It wasn't the responsibility of the jail. It was the responsibility of the family and of the church of that prisoner. And so basically, if you weren't connected to community, if you weren't connected at all with your family and you went to jail, it was basically a death sentence because sooner or later, you will starve to death or you would die. And so Paul gets thrown into jail. This is exactly what Paul is talking about. The fact that he is locked up and he is being supplied uh, the needs that he, ha- that he has that are being supplied by the, F- the Philippian church. And so, not only that, Paul is also starting to remember in his letter, not only the time that they're providing for him currently, he's remembering all the other times that they have been there with him upon his journey. A uh, little background on that, Paul planted the church in Philippi, he he went to the, the, the town of Philippi, he planted a church, he raised up leaders, he stayed there for a while, and as the church grew, and as the church started to do better, he, he felt a calling to leave. And so he went to places like Thessalonica, he went all over the, the Red Sea and started planting different churches around the area. And as he's going to different places in the area, the church in Philippi, as you're going to learn, kept sponsoring him. They kept giving him things, they kept providing for his needs. Just check it out the kids. keep reading here. Verse 14 says this. It says, Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So Paul goes out and he plants these churches and he's going out there. And the only church that continues to follow suit with the Apostle Paul, it was the original church was Philippi, the Philippians. They, they kept sending him things. As he went to another town, they would send him supplies to help sponsor him to plant churches. This is very similar to the, uh, to the network that we have here at the Baptist General Convention. It's the idea of, of we will plant a church and we will get other churches to support that church and grow them up for a certain amount of time. Verse 16 says, Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once again. Not that I seek The gift, but I seek the fruit that increases in your credit. Verse 18. And I have received full payment and more. And I am well supplied, having received from uh, Ephroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God, Father, be the glory forever. And ever, amen. And then he starts to wrap up the, the letter with this verse 21. He says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you, uh, greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. So we learn that Paul is not dependent on them to find his contentment. They are providing for his needs. They are are doing all these things. But Paul's not content with that. It is good. He has been paid for and for and above and beyond. But he says, that's not where I find my contentment. You can see that in verse 11. Verse 11 said, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul's contentment in life does not lie in his present circumstance. Paul's contentment in life lies on something far greater. Far greater. You see, church, he rejoices in the practical oneness of the gospel that that the gospel is producing, but the, the oneness between the church and him, he's rejoicing that, but he emphasizes some practical humility in saying, that's great, but I am not content with that. I'm content with something else. And he has learned the secret of facing both plenty and facing hunger. Now, our contentment as Christians... Likewise, should always rest in the fruit of the gospel. The the, the way we are content, the way we feel good, the way we feel happy, the way we find joy is not found on other things. It's found in the gospel, including the oneness with Christ. Through this text, Paul teaches us to look beyond our circumstances, whether we have much or whether we have little, whether we have a lot or whether we have barely anything, we must still rejoice in Christ because church, in Him and only in Him can we ever have everything that our hearts desire. Outside of Jesus, you can find fulfillment. Outside of Jesus, you can, you can find pleasures. Outside of Jesus, you can find all these things, but they are temporary. They are vague and they are fading away. I love how it's been said that inside our hearts, there is a hole and it's shaped like Jesus and only Jesus can satisfy that, that desire in your heart. The problem is, is that too many times we find contentment in things that we own or things like our wealth we find contentment in our finances. We find contentment in, in security. We find contentment in knowing that, that we are good, we are cared for. There is a, a security blanket. We have a, a, a certain amount in our bank account. We are content. We are good. Some of you are like, I wish I had that. you know. But, like, but we find that contentment. That's where we think we can find peace and pleasure. We spend hours and hours and hours a week chasing the dollar. We're working hard to find some sort of contentment in the achievements that we have made. We're trying to get to a certain economical status. We're trying to get there. And until we get there, we will not be content. The sad thing is is that all of those things come and go. The biggest, most beautiful house you can ever own will one day become rubble. The biggest, most fattest bank account you can ever have will one day be emptied out by you or by someone. The treasures that you have stored up on on earth will, will be wiped away. Ever seen a Lamborghini in a car wreck? It's worth just as much as the Honda that was in a car wreck. One day, the things that we are chasing after so much in this world will be worth nothing. And then what will we have? Just look at what Paul said here in verse 12. Paul said, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to be abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance, and need. Now, if you're like me, if you're like when was like, like you start thinking about things as, as you're going through the Scriptures, I was like, how, how, how does he know that? Like, how does Paul know what it's like to have a lot and a little? Because from what I'm reading right now, if you would just read this straight up, he's in jail. It sounds like he's never had a lot. How does he know? How does he going have abundance and need? How does he going have plenty to hunger? How does he know all these certain things? And you start asking the questions behind the questions but lead to other understandings of the Bible. And you start asking these things, and the answer can be found in Paul's former life. See, Paul was a member of the Great High Church. He was a Pharisee, and his job was to go out and to persecute the church. And we know this because we've talked about this a lot in this whole book of Philippians. We have to look at Paul's past to see his present, to see the future that is to come. And Paul is is, is really content with his life. He is one of the greatest. In fact, in another part of the Bible, Paul talks about how great he is. I talked about how great he was and the things that he had, all the accomplishments he had made, all the things that he had he said, all of that I counted a loss to know the surpassing uh, uh, relationship with Christ. He's, I I counted all a loss. It's it's nothing. So Paul ended up uh, one day going down to Damascus to 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 persecute a church and that's when Jesus came over him and and and, and there was the whole the turning of, of Paul's life and he went from being named Saul to being named Paul and Jesus struck him down, and Jesus was a part of his life there, and he ended up losing everything to follow Jesus. He walked away from fame. He walked away from notoriety. He walked away from respect and, and, and all the righteous things that he had built up in his life. He walked away from his job. He walked away from his friends, his family, his coworkers, everyone who believed in him. He was known as one of the best of the best of the best when it came to Pharisees, and he walked away from all of that having everything he needed, everything provided for him, he walked away from that to follow Jesus. Many of us can't even walk away from one little thing in our life to follow Jesus. He walked away from everything in his life to follow Jesus. This is how Paul knows what it means to be content with plenty and what does it mean to be content with little. Because he walked away from it. He knew what he had and he went to something else. He knows the difference. Many times... See, I think we misunderstand the things that God wants from us. You see, we read scriptures about all the great things that God wants from us. We read the scriptures that talk about how God wants good things for you. God wants nothing but prosperity. He wants you to grow. He wants you to do all these good things. And, and I, would, I, would, I, you know, I would number your fields with plenty of sheep. I would fill your, your storage with lots of grains. I would do all these great things. And we think that that's what God wants for us. And there are good things in the in those scriptures. There are really good things. But we forget that not only does God want the good things for us, God also, and above and beyond that, wants the righteous things for us. So learning to be content is simply trusting that God, being as righteous and true that He is, has a perfect plan for you and for me. And no matter where you are in life, it's because you're there because God has you there for a reason. And for some of us, that's hard for us to understand because we're not content with where we're at. But when you start to understand that God has put you there for a reason, God has you in this season of life, in this valley, for a reason, we start to be content with that. We can start to understand that it's not up to us, it's up to God. That God is leading us in that way. He has moved us into the valley like the good shepherd that he is, like the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When you trust God as your shepherd, you will not be in want. He will provide for all your needs. The scripture goes on to say that he leads me down besides green pastures by still waters. He's providing food, water. He's providing for his sheep. He is the good shepherd. When we learn to trust in that, then we will be content in any situation because we know God is going to provide. We know he's going to take care of us. But there's something else I want to pull from this text. There's something else I want us to look at. See, I love how in this text we find one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible. The one that everyone loves. We find it everywhere you go. Did y'all catch the scripture when I read through the, 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 the text? Did y'all catch it? Let me read over it again. Verse 12 says, I know how to be brought low. Or I know how to be abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and here's the scriptures: "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens who? Me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me." Or as some people say, I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength, the different Bible, different versions. It all means the same. That verse is everywhere, right? Like you can't even go through Mardell without seeing that verse as soon as you walk in. it 's on the Nod's World T-shirt. You know, as soon as you walk in, it's in the, the mannequin right there. You walk in a little further, it's on the first, the sales rack, the $5 rack, probably a plaque with it. You walk towards the back, it's on the Bible cover. It's everywhere. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's everywhere you go. You see it all over the sports world. It's most popular in the sports world. You see it on, uh, Steph Curry has it on his shoes. Tim Tebow painted it on his face, um, back when he was good. And so, it's all over. No. I'm sorry, Tim Tebow is a baseball player now, okay? He do great things, okay? I believe in Tebow, okay? And so, it is a form of inspiration, isn't it not? I mean, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. People get that tattooed on their bodies. I mean, that's, I, mean I, I know a guy has it on his arm. I mean, it's, it's that powerful of a verse that people love it. They, they flock to it. They, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And at the end of the day, it's a, it's a powerful verse, and it's helped people be encouraged to get through so many trials. But as much as I love that verse, as much as I love the fact that God can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I love the next one even more. I love the next one even more. See, everyone knows Philippians 4.13, but not everyone knows Philippians 4.13, 14. And I hear you flipping through your pages right now because you're like, what is it? I gotta know what this is, but I'm going to beat you to it. Philippians 4.14 says this, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. You're like, Why is that so much better than 13? Because whenever you read 14, it totally changes the, the meaning of verse 13. When you read 14, verse 13 changes. The context changes of that verse. And I love it because it's <laughs> like my, the one thing I like to talk about. Everyone misses that. Because we're so focused on, on what God can do for me, we forget that He is, has many other people in His kingdom as well. Because it changes it from saying, instead of saying, I can do anything through God, or I can do anything with God, to I can do anything with God, and it is better with community alongside you. I love that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and yet it was still kind of you to come alongside and share in my trouble. I could have done it on my own. Jesus could have been there. We could have got through this. But as a community of believers, as a church, we band together alongside with Paul. The church in Philippi band together along with Paul and helped him through that trouble. And for me, that is the best part of that scripture. Because it means that community is so vital to the growth of many Christians. It means to me that, that when you're in community, you are together and you are complete. When you're in community, you're, you're gathered. Yeah, you can do it on your own and Christ is going to strengthen you. You're going to get through that. But it is so much better when someone shares in your trouble alongside you. We were not meant to do life alone. There is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian from encouragement to accountability to other practical reasons that you can think of, community matters. And community is important. And community in church is hard to do, but it is so vital. It's messy. It's real. It makes people uncomfortable. It moves into the innermost personal moments of your life. And you strike Iron with iron, and you make sparks whenever you try to, to, to blend with someone, and it's, you get offended more easily because people know you and you're more out there. And it's I promise you, I mean, we've been doing this for years, and it's beautiful and it's a mess and it's crazy, but community is the only way that I can see the church going forward in the next few years. Paul understands this. He understands how important community is. And in his letter to the Philippians, he finds a moment to thank them for their commitment to him as a part of their community. Even while he's in jail, that he is thanking them. Even though I'm in jail and I'm suffering, I'm, I'm far away, I'm hundreds of miles away, you find a way to love me and connect with me and engage me in community. He is thankful for all the concern that they've had over him over all the years. The kind of concern that we as a church need to have for each other. The kind of concern that we as a church must strive for. The kind of concern that we as a church have a lot more work to do to get to that point as a church. And I love this church, and we are pretty, we're pretty close. I mean, I've cried on many of y'all's shoulders, amen? We've gone through a lot. You're like, I never cried on your shoulder, like One day, maybe you will. There'll be a moment there between us brothers. <laughs> yeah, right. Not me. But this is the type of community that, that, that the church needs to be together like that. See, the church in Philippi, upon hearing that Paul was locked up in jail, they didn't just send him a thank you card or a, or a hope you're doing well card. They didn't say like, hey, church, let's sign this card. Let's send it to Paul. He's kind of going through a hard time. Hey, Paul, we hope you feel better. Hope you get out in the you know eight to ten years to come visit us again. They didn't write, write on his Facebook wall. You know, get on Facebook. Hey, Paul, I see you it's your birthday. I know you're still locked up. I hope you're doing good. Uh, hashtag see you later. You know, they, they didn't do that, okay? They didn't message him and say, hey, I know you're going through a lot of crap right now, Paul, and trouble really is, is hard and you're locked up, but I was just wondering, when you get out of jail, are you still going to want to serve in the, uh, in the worship team. Are you still going to want to serve in this area of the church? They didn't say that. They, didn't, they weren't focused on that. No, what they did was they sent guys over there to supply his needs they said church even though Paul is in Rome we know that no other church has reached out to Paul we know that we are the only church that has ever connected with Paul and while he is in jail we are going to send this dude over there to supply his needs And if you remember the story back in uh, I think it was chapter 2 of Philippians we learned about um, Ephroditus and how he he went over to Rome to supply the needs of Paul and on his journey over there he suffered in illness and when he got to Paul he was really really sick to the point of death I'm not talking about the common cold I'm talking about he was dying literally as he got to the door of the jail cell and upon his, his death his last breath he brought good news and supplies to Paul and he stayed there instead of going back home so he can die with his family he stayed with Paul and endured long suffering with Paul as a community together that is the picture of the church that we all must strive for a church that says we're going to lay down our personal needs and provide for those in the church that's the church i dream of it's a church i want us all to aspire to be like that's the type of church that says Brother, whatever it is, we will provide for that. Hey, pastor, the church is going down. We need to band together. We need to do whatever it takes. We need to sacrifice whatever it needs to, to build this community back up. We need to, we're reaching out to this area. We need to band together. And upon our dying breath, we will do whatever it takes to further the gospel. We will be in community until the day we die. That is what a real church community does for each other. That is the picture of a New Testament church. That is the picture of what every church should be doing. And that's how you can be content with anything. The fact that you know God will provide for all of your needs, and he'll do it through community. Church, I'll leave you with this. Are you part of a community? Are you connected to community in some way? Are you plugged in? Are you connected to a group of people, fellow believers in Christ who will walk alongside you? Are you able to, to, to look across the room and say, that's my brother and sister in Christ who we, who we live life with, who we are connected to, and we know we are not perfect, and we know they're not perfect, but together we will walk through this together. Are you connected somewhere in the church or someone in community? Is there someone that you know within your, in your spirit of people that knows 100% everything about your life? Someone that you can be honestly and just real with and say, hey, I am struggling with this, and, and you know, no one else knows, but, but you know this. Can you hold me accountable to this? Is there someone in there that does it? Is there someone in your life that you can say, hey, we are living life together and we are sharing in the struggles of what it means to come up as, one, a single parent, or two, a family trying to get uh, steady in our life, or three, maybe we're we're struggling. We know we're not perfect, but we can do this together. Are you connected somewhere in the church like that? In your life outside of the church, are you connected with, with people who are wise? who have walked the walk and have have been through life and understand what it means to to suffer and, and pull through hard times. Just this past Wednesday, we had a meeting here at the church, and we talked about some of the, the finances and the struggles of the church and just kind of the, 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 the skeleton of the church. And we said that it was tough, and this is a kind of a, a crazy season here at Impact City Church. But then I looked at, at guys like Art, and I looked at guys, uh, women, sorry, like Jennifer over there, and I said, how long have you all been in part of church? And Art goes like 51 years. Jennifer's like 31. I so said, you look 24. And so we were like, we, we, we started talking to them. And in the middle of everyone here, they were like, we have seen Churches, do this. We have been a part of this struggle. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we were encouraged by the fact that 51 years ago, they, you know, Art was part of a church that went through hard times and low times and is still going strong and has been changes, but the body of Christ is still going. Thank you. You know, that's the encouragement. Are you a part of a community of believers that meets once a week and just gathers and says, Hey, man, you know, I know we're, we're going to read scriptures. We're really going to go through the Bible. We're going to pour over this. But right now, I'm just struggling with this one thing in my life. Can, can I talk to you about this? And Are you surrounded by people who will pray over you and lay hands over you? If you haven't connected in that way yet in this church, it's okay. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to connect in the upcoming holidays. We've got a potluck coming up. Listen, if you want to get connected, come to a potluck. It is the Baptist way of connecting with everybody. Everyone eats. Everyone gets big and fat, and everyone's married and has a great time. It's great. It's fun. We're going to have Christmas decorating things, and that's kind of cool. But outside of this, you you can connect with people along the way in other areas, different missional city groups, different gatherings throughout the week. It's incredible what we have here. And church, listen, if you see someone that is not connected, why don't you don't wait for them to make the move. Why don't you make the move to them? Why don't you invite them over for dinner? Pastor, that's single mom has a lot of kids and they're crazy yeah maybe that's what she needs she needs a break from cooking for all those kids and you can invite her over to your home but you find different ways to connect with them why don't you maybe you say you know what hey that family has a lot of kids and, and i don't see them connected to the church at all why don't we have a play date together hey come over we have a movie night at the house and as the kids start watching the movie maybe the parents will kind of back up and they can start to get to know each other singles in the room, why don't you guys get together and go bowling one night? You're like, that's, that's lame. I know, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> do something. Like Maybe it's simply just calling up someone in the church that you know goes to church or messaging them on Facebook and saying, how you been? I'm just checking in on you. I'm just checking in and see how you're doing. I just, I just want to know what's going on. Listen, church, whatever it takes We have got to make community a key part of our mission here at this church. We have got to make community a key part because it is the only way that we will reach the city for Christ. The way that Christ intended it to be. One-on-one, disciple building, reaching out in community. Let's be content in every circumstance that we are in, no matter what circumstance comes our way. And just like Paul said in his letter in prison, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in the Spirit. Let's be connected with the Spirit. Let's pray, God. We are uh, we are blessed. We're thankful for what you provide. You provide so many good things in terms of of uh, us individually, but. Lord, what are you providing for us as a church as a whole? Are you bringing us together? Lord, thank you for the times that we have together. Lord, I pray that we will learn as a church, as a whole and individually, that we will learn to be content with what we have. And Lord, just right now, like we know it's not a sin to want more. But Lord, help us not want more than what we want you. Help us not want those things more than than wanting you. Lord, give us open hands with our possessions. May we be content with plenty. May we be content with need. May we refocus our minds and see you on the throne as holy and righteous. No matter what circumstance we are in life. Father God, may you bring community together. May you help us spark community within each other that those who are hurting don't have to hurt alone. So those who are rejoicing they can rejoice louder with people all around them. You make this, Lord, just a church that understands that, that finds more value in others than we do in ourselves, that finds value in the fact that you are working in the lives of people around them even if it means that you're not working and doing something great and awesome and big and prosperous in their life. May We just take value in the fact that God is doing something good in our community. May we learn to love those who are not perfect. May we learn to love those who tend to be a little rough around the edges. And May we realize that us too can be like that in different ways. God continue to grow this church in the ways that you see fit. Continue to build upon this rock your church continue to provide for it Lord we love you we praise you in Christ's name we pray all God's people said Amen let's all stand and worship